Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Welcome back to the Tube Talk Podcast. My name is Dan Carson, joined as always, sometimes, by Mr. Rob Wilson. Hey, Dan. Hey, everybody. It's great to hear from you all, even though podcasts are primarily a passive experience. I can just hear your voices, though. You're saying, oh, Rob's back. Oh, but I preferred Viper. Oh, but Dan's a really good host. I'm so looking forward to this podcast. That's what I'm hearing in my voice as I talk to all of you. I hear them shouting dark mode. (laughs) Very funny, very funny. (laughs) so thank you for joining us we have speaking of viper cool guest on today it's viper we're gonna talk it is him it is literally him yeah he came in he rko'd us both if anybody gets that wrestling reference and then we talked to him about why he would do such a thing (laughs) so yeah stay tuned for that in just a little bit uh we have a really cool youtube related topic that we want to discuss today youtube just did this major report on the creator economy and rob you've been diving into this so give us an overview did they ever yeah so this came really out of the blue but it does represent the amount of data YouTube is able to collect and how they presented it in this mammoth report is pretty spectacular. And I thought, Dan, what we would do to start off this podcast is a little quiz about YouTube. That's because we don't have any um, stingers lined up, so I just invented my own (laughs) stinger there. Uh, So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to quiz Dan a little bit about the YouTube economy and its impact in 2020. So Dan tells me he hasn't really read this report yet. Uh, I have read some of it. Uh, So I'm going to ask you some questions and listeners follow along at home. Even if you are driving, cycling, doing the dishes, I'm going to give, you know, a few seconds for you to try and answer this question as well. And of course, we are going to leave a link to this report in the description as well. Uh, because there's so much detail. I'm going to cover just a few basic facts, but essentially, uh, wherever you are in the world, uh, YouTube has sort of tailored this report. Like if you're in Canada and if you're in Britain, it'll give you details about the economy there and the, the social impacts and whatnot. But with all of that being said, Dan, are you ready for your first question on this report? Uh, full disclosure, uh, I did watch your video when it came out oh, on oh. this. However, oh. I don't remember very well, okay. especially numbers. So it, uh, well, this will be a testament to how memorable your videos are. Yeah, so uh, it's, all, it's back on me all of a sudden, <laughs> eh, the quality of my videos. All right, So, but you can play along at home. So, Dan, in 2020, what was the economic impact of YouTube's creative ecosystem on U.S. GDP? So we're talking a dollar uh, amount here. Okay. I, I want to say a couple billion. So you just, what, you're going two billion? Yeah, we'll go two billion. Uh, oh. Again, we haven't got any sound effects. That sounded that like it hurt. On, but that's incorrect. Uh, you are off by a factor of 10. 20 and a half billion is ah. the economic impact. And I actually equated that into GDP on the list of countries in the world. And YouTube came in. 116th, I think, in between Laos and Bosnia and Herzegovina. So pretty incredible, the creator okay. economy. And as far as I know, that's just in the US only. Now, if we try and convert that into full-time equivalent jobs, Dan, how many jobs do you reckon that is in the US alone? Oh, my gosh. If we're going to turn that economy into jobs. You know, what, what would it service? Probably a couple, like, dozen jobs. Now you're just being silly. <laughs> Come on, give us a proper guess. All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, how about uh, 1.5 million jobs? 
All right, you're a little you're a little over there actually. Uh, it's four well three hundred and ninety four thousand full time equivalent jobs that ecosystem supports. Having said that, you are sort of closer to one of the other analytics, which was now the YouTube um, partner program has over two million members. So YouTube is paying out to over two million creators on a regular basis. Um, so you were sort of kind of there with a million and a half. And if you put that into perspective, Amazon has 1.3 million worldwide employees. And I know it's not an apples to apples comparison, but that just shows you on a representative scale how much YouTube supports different creators in terms of ad revenue. So some pretty incredible numbers there. But Dan, Dan, I'm not finished just yet, right? How many channels do you think there are in the US that have over 1 million subscribers as of December 2020? Uh, 10,000. Oh, you, you've overestimated that. It's 5,000 channels with oh. over a million subscribers, which is still pretty incredible. Another question here, the percentage of creative entrepreneurs that reported that YouTube has had a positive impact on their professional goals. So as a percentage. Wait, can you read the first part again? Sure. I want you to give me a percentage number of the creative okay. entrepreneurs reporting that YouTube has had a positive impact on their professional goals. Like, I guess for me and you, for me and you, would be like 100% because YouTube has allowed us to turn it into full-time professions. But like on a, on a scale for the entire creator user base so are yeah are we taking into account people who watch youtube as a way to grow as professionals or are we only talking youtube creators i don't know you're asking you're asking questions here i just want you to uh, okay you know, i'll say okay, 86 percent uh, so you're not far off dan 78 percent 78 percent there all right let's ask a question about learning this is getting as ridiculous. a ratio the users that have reported that they use YouTube to learn how to fix a practical problem. I guess you could do that as a percentage. So how many people do you think use YouTube to fix a problem? 62%. Not too bad. It's one in two. So, you know, around about 50%, right? The number of teachers who use YouTube in higher education and agree that YouTube helps students learn in a classroom. So this is basically when teachers can't be bothered to do a lesson, lesson plan and they just throw up a YouTube video or some educational thing. I'm saying that because I did that in the past as a teacher myself. So how many teachers do you think believe YouTube is useful in the educational world, in the classroom? Okay, this is easy. So it's I think it's going to be 72% of teachers, but of that 72%, I think... 33% will fall asleep while the YouTube video is playing. <laughs> well, I can give you an answer to the first number and you are oh so close. It was 73%. Ooh, yes. So yeah, I, I guess YouTube didn't want to calculate who falls asleep. And then we'll do one more from this list. Uh, no, that's a bit of a complicated one. Uh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> do but the that others one. weren't. They uh, were super was, straightforward. Well, all right, you can try, Dan. Career opportunity. In three, urban users who have actively looked for a new job in the last 12 months use YouTube to help them explore alternative jobs in career opportunities. I don't even understand that, quite, that one, but give me a number. So people living in like urban areas were using YouTube to find jobs, but in I the sense that so. they were trying to get creative with where they could be applying, I think. Yeah, use YouTube to help them explore alternative job or career opportunities so maybe like how many people is youtube influencing to find new jobs 37 percent. 
One in three, Dan. Oh, you're doing pretty well here. You're doing pretty yeah. well. All right, we're going to go to culture now. So the percentage of creators that agree that YouTube helps them export content to international audiences they wouldn't otherwise have access to. Oh, interesting. I think it's going to be 65%. Have you got a screen up here, Dan? I think you're cheating. It's 67%. No, this is incredible. Incredible. All right. And then percentage of creative entrepreneurs that agree that YouTube helps them export their content to international audiences. Hang on. That's the same question. That's yeah, the same I, one. <laughs> hang on. And then this one's 80%. So I don't know. Maybe there's a glitch there in YouTube's reporting. Uh, I feel as if I have to do one more because of that net now. <laughs> Diversity of voices. The percentage of creators who, on average, spend 35 hours or more per week on their YouTube channel, wow, that's very specific, but agree wow. that the YouTube community encourages them to create diverse and innovative content. Uh, 42%. 73%. So you, finally, oh. you were completely wrong one. So I don't know about well, that was you, a weird one. But that, that was a fascinating, you know, tip of the iceberg insight. A lot of it is to do with the economic impact of YouTube around the world. And this was during a pandemic. And what it proved is that the pandemic didn't slow down YouTube at all. It, in fact, it accelerated it. It magnified it. It promoted the impact of being able to learn or create from home. So if anybody is interested in the industry that surrounds YouTube, then this report is definitely worth checking out. And, and the one final thing I said on the video is, if anything is ever turned into a PDF that nobody's ever gonna look at, you know this is a serious report. So go to the website, visit all of the stuff, download the PDF if you really want to, but don't print it out. Let's save some paper on this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. What do, you, what do you think it means though, for us as creators? It's never too late to start YouTube. Uh, Sean Cannell often says that the best time to start was 10 years ago, but the second best time to start is today. And I think YouTube has kind of just jumped a few levels in a very short amount of time. It's almost as if YouTube now is operating in 2024 or 2025 as opposed to 2021, if you understand what that, what I'm trying to say there, Dan. It's just accelerated the growth and the reach of YouTube. Uh, and yeah. I think it's going to continue to grow. I know there are competitors such as TikTok, but I think YouTube has already tried to start combating that with YouTube Shorts. I still believe that YouTube is the replacement of the television set, so to speak. When that got huge in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, I think YouTube is doing it from an internet perspective. So I don't think any YouTube's going in anywhere anytime soon. And I think if you watch Mr. Beast's interview with Colin and Samia, he's very much in agreement with this. And uh, I think he knows a little one or two things about YouTube. So yeah, I, I would say if you're still thinking about it, if you're still procrastinating, just start, just press record, get something out there, start getting some experience because there are, it is changing so many people's lives. And I'm going to say that because I'm biased. YouTube has changed my life for the better. I'm sure you'll say the same thing, Dan. It is something that if you want to spread a message that reaches billions of people for effectively free, I can't think of another better communication platform in the entire world. Some may argue Facebook, Twitter, but I'm going with YouTube. Mm -hmm. What about you, Dan? I've, I've spoken a lot of it. I love your thoughts. 
I'm also going with YouTube. And I think that what this report does is help put into perspective the amount of money that flows through YouTube. And that alone helps people hopefully realize that YouTube, when they're making a YouTube channel, they should treat it as a business. And the more you can disconnect emotionally from your content, which is not an easy thing to do. I say that as if it is. It's taken me years to get to that point, and I'm still not fully there, I feel like. But when you can do that, when you can look at it purely as a business and make decisions about your content from a business-minded perspective, you're always implementing different strategies, then things can change for you dramatically. So don't let numbers that are unsatisfactory to you get you down. You know, Learn from that data, learn everything you can, and keep implementing more and more strategy, keep creating. I think a lot of people, when they look at it like that, can get to that point they want to get to. Even if you like YouTube as a hobby, you have to admit, even when it's a hobby, it's a lot of your time. And it would be nice. It would be nice to recoup some of that cost that goes into that hobby. So that's my message from all this. I think more people should look at their channels as a business. And with that, Dan wins the quiz. Hey! Da, 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 da. We can't use that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Well, now that the podcast has been muted, why don't we bring in our guest? <laughs> Shall I do an alternative, not quite the same um, tune? It's too um, late. Maybe it was transformative enough, though. <laughs> that was bad. Kind of close. Kind of close. Can we just introduce the guest? Sure, let's do that. All right, here we go. Viper, welcome back to Tube Talk. You are familiar with with how we do things around here, uh, but just for everybody who is just joining us and hasn't gotten a chance to meet you before, go ahead. What's up, people? This is your boy Viper, the man about tech, a new executive producer here at vidIQ, and I might be just a tad bit familiar with how we do things around here. So yeah, glad to be back, man, and thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So we wanted to get a chance to actually sit down with you and tell your story. I had this opportunity back in the day on Tube Talk to sit down and, and get interviewed. And uh, I believe, Rob, you've probably sat down at some point and told your story. I think I had a conversation with Leron once uh, back in the day. But I can't remember actually having a this is your life type of podcast interview. So not that I'm trying to... Uh, <laughs> take over this podcast but yeah maybe we need to book that in at some point dan <laughs> great all right cool well i guess we have another <laughs> Join us episode next plan. week <laughs> <laughs> so viper we wanted to dive a little bit deeper you are going to be a regular on this show and i think it's only fair that everybody learns a little more bit more about you you have a lot of value to offer the creator community so let's just start at the beginning what do you do on youtube and more specifically why youtube so what do I do on YouTube? Well, on YouTube, I make tech videos. Back on January 1st, 2018, that is when I uploaded my first video to YouTube. I've always been into tech. I've always been passionate about technology. People would always come to me about issues with their smartphone or different technology, or if they were in the market for a new smartphone or a new piece of tech, they would come to me and ask me which piece of tech out there would best fit their needs or what is the best tech out there available, best smartphone, this, that, Apple, Samsung, all the things. So Almost four years ago now, I decided to make a YouTube channel centered around my passion about technology. So I've been doing that since Jan 1, 2018, and it kind of just ballooned into all these other different opportunities being on YouTube. And somehow making videos about tech has led me to being a full-time employee with vidIQ. So the creator journey is one that is unique and special, and you never know where it might take you. 
So why did you feel that YouTube was like the best place to bring your expertise? Well, you know, it's interesting because long before I watched YouTube or long before I uploaded my first YouTube video, I was a YouTube watcher, a YouTube viewer. And I love watching tech videos on YouTube from like Flossy Carter, Mike Harris, Brownlee, Austin Evans, Linus Tech Tip, all of the people that have been doing it for a long time. I just think so I figured, you know what? I can do something similar. I mean, I have a lot of expertise in the area of technology. So let me try my hand in making YouTube videos. And I feel like YouTube is probably the best place for tech content because tech content needs to be dove into a little bit deeper than surface level a lot of time. Especially if you want to examine like workflow, lifestyle, the way the tech can work for you and how it works for you. That stuff, I feel like it's best done on YouTube. So to answer your question, I felt like YouTube would be the best platform to give the explanations that are needed to be given to explain how tech works for the everyday person. Viper. Yes. January the 1st, 2018. That's your first uploaded video, right? Correct. Sounds very deliberate, very intentional. So was there a period of, I'm going to start a YouTube channel, but that didn't happen? Or, you know, you had to overcome, I guess, a fear of being on YouTube. You know, you set a, a, a certain date to do it. Or am I completely wrong about this? It was just, hey, it's January the 1st. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. Rob, it's very interesting that you asked that question. So there was no fear or nothing like that. My friend had suggested to me before then that I start a YouTube channel, but I never really took it seriously because you already had the I just things and Mark Kevin and Flossie Carter to the world out there. And I kind of thought to myself, what could I add to a tech space that already has very good creators doing the thing? Unfortunately, in 2017, I lost my mother to lung cancer. So I think whatever, something must happen in my brain. It was like a light switch that flipped off. I'm like, you know what? It is time that you go out here and you live your absolute best life. Put yourself out there. Take the chances that you've never taken. Do the things you've never done. And just go out here and have fun and enjoy. So somewhere along those lines, after losing my mother, I had made the decision that on January 1st of the next year, I'm going to get on YouTube and make my first video. And that's really the reason, Rob, why I started with that particular day. Because I lost my mother in May of 2017. And I said, next year, we're going to start the YouTube channel on the first day of the year. And that is what I did. Wow, very powerful. Yeah. So... The way you approach tech on YouTube, as we know, there's a lot of different areas you can explore. When you pick a broad you know, genre to cover on YouTube, it's more than that. You want to niche down. So what is that for you? Maybe where did you start and where did you end up if there was a transition? You know what, Dan? It's kind of like a roller coaster for me personally, because when I first started out making tech videos, I'm making broad tech videos. I'm making tech videos about different smartphones, tablets, different companies. I didn't really niche down. And then about 18 months ago, I decided, you know what? The channel is growing, but I think I feel like if I wanted to grow more, I need to kind of narrow my focus. So I started making Apple-centric content back at the beginning of uh, 2020. So I did that for about 18 months or whatever, but still wasn't experiencing the growth that I wanted and things like that. So about a month or two ago, I made the decision, you know what? I like Apple content, but that's not all I want to do. So I'm going to go back out and rebroaden my scope in the tech space. So now I'm going back to covering all of the things, just uh, more than Apple, smartphone, audio, home automation, home appliance, and different things like that. So I love all the tech. I don't just love one company or one part of technology. I love everything technology-based. So that is what I'm going to do moving forward on my channel. I know it might not be the most algorithm-friendly thing to do, per se, as far as growing a YouTube channel, but my mental health and my sanity, I think that's what I need to do to make me happy because it's more than just about trying to appease an algorithm. It's about doing things as creator that make you happy, and that's what I'm going to focus on moving forward. Let's talk about that a little bit then. So 
It sounds as if there's been a, a weight lifted from your YouTube channel shoulders, so to speak. I guess through the other opportunities that you've taken in, I'm not going to say the YouTube space, but the video marketing world space. Do you now see the YouTube channel almost as side of like, no longer like a side hustle? It's more like, I'm going to talk about the things I'm passionate about because, you know, this YouTube venture allowed me to um, make it sustainable for myself. But now YouTube is something that I can just enjoy rather than, as you say, trying to appeal to a recommendation system or making sure that your CPM is $5 and above to, to put food on a table. Right. I get what you're saying, Rob. So for me, Rob, the thing is, I definitely still want to become a full-time content creator. But with my recent life change and now being on the vidIQ team, I'm still kind of doing that. But now I can kind of do it at my own pace per se. Now I have more time to devote to it. I can now get a better understanding of how YouTube works, working with you guys at vidIQ and using the tool and all the different things that come with that. So now I don't have, I don't feel like I'm in a rush to get the channel to where it needs to go to in order for me to like make it a full-fledged business per se. So that allowed me to focus on the thing that I really love and care about, which is general technology. So right. I don't feel like I have to like niche down per se to blow up the channel and do all this <laughs> other stuff. No, 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 no. I can have a more steady organic growth doing it the way I'm doing it now and be more happy in the way that I'm doing it now. Yeah, I, I guess the reason I asked that is because before I joined vidIQ, I had my own channel. But the pressures of trying to run the vidIQ channel on my own channel were too much. And I mothballed my own channel. Dan, you were kind of in a similar situation. You had a, a gaming channel that you were trying to run. But, you know, when you're living, breathing and creating nine to five, it's not necessarily something that you want to do in the evening anymore. Uh, so I was just I'm, I'm curious how certainly people who have been creators beforehand as a hobby and then they turn that video creation world into almost their full-time profession, how they still maintain it as a hobby and a passion. Because that's something I can't do anymore. I, I, I'm the same as you, Viper. I was in tech beforehand, but I, I couldn't imagine finishing a vidIQ video and then trying to do a video about how to record your iPhone screen. I just don't have a mental and creative capacity to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things, a lot of people will talk about how they need the separation of church and state to to maintain their mental sanity and different things like that. I think I feel kind of blessed in, in a way that I don't really see what I do and what we do in work per se. I mean, I love creating content. I love creating content about tech. And I kind of do it in moderation now. I mean, I used to think about it like I want to get three or four videos out a week. Now, if I get maybe one or two videos out a week, I'm okay. I'm not going to cry with spilled milk. It is what it is. But as long as I get out some content, I'm not going to put that crazy pressure on myself to try to get out three to four videos every week and still do the vidIQ thing. And I'm no, 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 no. I don't, I don't feel the need to do that. So for me personally, it's about how much content I'm trying to get out there because not only do I put out regular videos, I live stream on a weekly basis too. So you got the videos that I put out normally. I live stream. I also have my own podcast that I do, plus doing vidIQ full time now. So I don't want to put too much on my shoulders. So it's all about kind of like dividing things and actually more like um, compartmentalizing things and doing things in moderation to make sure that I'm not burning myself out. It's hugely important just from running a YouTube channel alone, you have to avoid burnout. Just if that was the only thing you did, you would still face that, I think, at some point, depending on how much content you're putting out and, and what it is you're covering and how much how on top of things need to be. Certain channels have to be just on the cutting edge of news and, and trending topics. So that alone 
it is very impressive the way you've managed to go about this. And I really respect what you said earlier about I'm just going to cover a bunch of different kinds of tech, you know, and I, I've been told that's not the best thing I could be doing, but that's what's going to help me mentally. You, you mentioned that's going to keep you from burning out. So I think that's just important to convey to everybody that there is a huge part of YouTube that is on you as the creator having the capacity to actually the bandwidth to actually create this content. And part of that is sometimes you have to break the rules a little bit. We at VidIQ try to lay out, I think, a roadmap for for creators. And when you listen to a lot of that content, you're like, well, now I feel like I can't do these other things that I'm passionate about, which can be very limiting. As a creator, it's all about identifying your objective. What are the things that you want to accomplish on a platform, no matter what platform it is? Once you identify those objectives, then you can figure out the best strategy to achieve those objectives. So with me, I know I want to grow my, my main YouTube channel. So I know I need to put out content consistently on the channel, but I don't want to burn myself out putting out that content either. So for me, it's identifying the strategy that works best to, for me to consistently be able to put out content while at the same time keeping my sanity and doing the job that I have to do, do here with VidIQ. It's all about putting things into perspective and making sure that you lay out a strategy that you can actually adhere to and execute on. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by VidIQ's channel audit tool, a sort of report card for how your YouTube channel has been performing. When you're in your YouTube studio, the channel audit tool can be found on the left-hand side once you've installed vidIQ on either your Chrome or Firefox browser. As long as you've authenticated your channel, clicking on Channel Audit will give you a bird's-eye view of your videos from the last 30, 60, or even 90 days. I personally use this tool to look for patterns with my content. What types of videos are currently getting the most views per hour? Which videos drove a lot of viewers to subscribe? What types of videos are my competitors creating and how do mine compare? What are the search terms bringing people to my channel in the first place? And if this is sounding like a lot of questions, well, that's probably because I ask too many questions. But that's why I love this tool, because I can get answers to all of them and more. You can access the channel audit tool for free when you download the vidIQ extension at vidIQ.com. So talk a little bit about you as a, as a brand. You, you go by Viper on social media. I will, unless you don't want me to share this internally, uh, in the company, you are Viper to yes. us. So I, I assume branding is very, very important to you. I wonder if you could speak to that. Yeah, absolutely. So with me, I the internet is a crazy, crazy place with a lot of crazy people on the internet and ain't nobody got time for that. So for branding and personal security purposes, I just go by Viper everywhere. It's just easier. And I always tell people that if you are going to brand yourself or if you are trying to build a personal brand, you want it to be consistent everywhere. So I'm Viper nearly everywhere. Facebook. Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Viper everywhere. And even even if it's IQ, it's Viper. Got to keep that branding consistent because it makes it that much easier for people to find you. But for me, it's about branding and it's also about personal security because we know how easy it is for people. If they have your name, then they can locate where you live and do all that. No, no, no. Viper's not doing that. So we're going to be Viper. And if you really want to find out where I am, you got to do some work. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but you got to do some work to figure out where Viper is. So... Yeah, it's branding, it's security, it's being safe, it's all the things. I brought that up because uh, one of the places, well, one of the, I would say the keys to your success as a creator is you're not just Viper on YouTube. You you actually take advantage of a lot of other apps and services. So I think well, I'm going to start with Clubhouse, but maybe you can tell us about some more that you're involved with as well. Tell us about your experience with Clubhouse. Oh, man. Clubhouse has single-handedly changed my life. 
if it wasn't for Clubhouse, I wouldn't even be here right now talking to you all if it wasn't for Clubhouse. So I got invited to Clubhouse back in January of this year. I mean, that's when the app was kind of blowing up. I mean, Clubhouse has been around for over a year now, but I think it really started getting its leg back in January of 2021. So that's when I got on the platform. While I was on the platform, I was in different rooms. I was in tech rooms. I was in YouTube education rooms, different things like that. And I would be in these YouTube education rooms and I'd be giving advice because even though I'm not the biggest YouTube creator, I've been doing it for three and a half years. So I have some value and knowledge to bestow upon creators that are thinking about doing YouTube or don't that are just starting out on their creative journey. So I would be in these rooms, giving that information, giving those tidbits. And apparently the right people were in the room because they were definitely vibing and agreeing with the things that I was saying. And one thing led to another and somehow I ended up doing a brand deal with BitIQ because some of the executives from BitIQ were in these rooms listening to me give out this advice. So that happened like I think around my fourth month on a clubhouse, I got a brand deal with VidIQ. So I was hosting room for VidIQ, talking about how to grow on YouTube and just different aspects of being a creator, even beyond just being a YouTube content creator. Then fast forward a couple of more months, I'm I'm in the middle of the brand deal, hosting the room weekly, doing my clubhouse thing. By the way, I also host a daily clubhouse room called Coffee Talk, which I do there every weekday. But then like halfway into my my brand deal with VidIQ, I get an email from one of the, the executive assistants like, hey, one of our executives wants to meet with you. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm thinking that they want to talk about the brand deal and see how things are going, different things like that. I'm like, cool. So I get on the uh, the video call with the executive and he's like, Viper, we love what you're doing on Clubhouse. We want to offer you a full-time position at VidIQ. Now I tell this story because when I first started using the Clubhouse platform, I knew a month after that it would change my life. I didn't know how I didn't know what way it would change my life, but I knew that being on the platform would change my life a month in. So as I'm participating in these conversations and discussions in in all these different rooms that I'm in, and now having had this video call with the VidIQ executive, all because of the things, the work I've done on Clubhouse, this, that, and the other, it all comes full circle now because here I am now a full-time VidIQ employee and in large part because of my participation on Clubhouse over the past 10 months, which is crazy that you, when you think about it, obviously when you think about platforms that could change your life, YouTube is probably the number one platform because that's, I mean, people go to YouTube, they build businesses, different things like that. They amass huge following, but Clubhouse is still relatively new. Nobody knew what Clubhouse could do for a creator in terms of changing their life or building a business and things like that. But here I am. And it led to a career change, which is just mind blowing. So Clubhouse as a platform is absolutely amazing. I think it gets a bad rap because, you know, there's always toxic people, but there are toxic people on every platform. And the other part that people don't understand is that your experience on whatever platform you are, whether it be Clubhouse, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, your experience is largely curated by you and who you follow. If you find yourself on a social media platform having a bad experience following toxic people, that's something you can change. Don't follow those people. Block those people. Follow the people that are making a positive impact on the social media platform. Follow the people that you can learn from. Follow the people that bring you information, bring you value. Stop following the toxic people. Stop engaging with the toxic conversations. And maybe your experience on these platforms will be better if you stop engaging in the toxic behavior. So my experience on social media, Clubhouse, Twitter, my experiences are lovely. I engage with the community. I have conversations every day. We joke. We have fun. And that's because I follow people that, that bring value to me. I follow people that are positive and they don't bring in the negativity, the toxicity and all that stuff. And I have a great experience on whatever platform I am. Viper, can you confirm or deny that you were logged into Clubhouse for 174 days straight, just jumping from room to room to room? Because that's the only way I can imagine how everybody knows you from your Clubhouse existence. It's like whenever I jumped in, oh, there's Viper. 
A week later, oh, Viper's in this room as well. Has he been on all of the time? It feels as if you, you were able to clone yourself and able to represent in as many rooms as possible. It was an incredible feat. That is hilarious. No, I don't. I mean, obviously, when you're on your phone and you're on an app, you're, you usually stay logged in. So there is a chance I was logged in for all those things, but I wasn't actively using the app for all those things. That's for sure. <laughs> I think hashtag multitasking going on a bit there. On a more serious note there, um, you know, Clubhouse was a huge success for a couple of months. And then uh, other platforms have tried to replicate it. Nothing so far from YouTube, but can you imagine a world where YouTube tries to create some sort of um, video conferencing, live streaming service? You know, because so at the moment we have to use something like StreamYard, OBS or whatever. I'm just curious if YouTube are ever going to try and create a platform where, you know, people literally on a browser are jumping into people's live streams to have conversations or is that not really YouTube's vibe? The immediate answer is no. But then we see YouTube and fully embrace the TikTok culture with short. So we don't know what YouTube is planning. We could think that YouTube won't do it, but YouTube has the capacity. They have the bandwidth. And more importantly, they have the money to do whatever they want. So if they want to kind of adventure into this whole live stream, smash it with audio rooms and have like live streams where people can jump in and out, they can certainly do that. I don't know if they are, but they can definitely do it. Now, we know they are pouring a lot of money into live streaming because they're trying to sign all the big time streaming from Twitch to YouTube. So that's what's happening. YouTube is definitely investing a ton of money into live streaming, but are they going to change their whole live stream infrastructure to kind of meet the uh, or fit with the money that they're putting on the actual creators? Who knows, man? Who knows? We didn't ever uh, explain, uh, this is my fault, uh, what Clubhouse was. Very quickly, it is a social media app where it's all voice. You jump in and there's usually a stage with speakers and then oftentimes these rooms will let you raise your hand and you can actually go on stage and, and chat with everybody else. So it's it's all run entirely off mobile. It started on Apple only and now it is on Android. Done. Yes, Rob. Rob has his hand up. <laughs> So we also didn't ascertain the origin of the Viper name. That's a great point. We did ask why you go as Viper, but why Viper in the first place? Yeah. Why brand is Viper? Why so many yeah. whys? <laughs> yeah, why? why indeed? Let's get into this real quick. So for those of y'all who are listening, you don't understand that Viper isn't spelled the way you typically spell Viper. I spell Viper V-Y-Y-Y-P-E-R. And I did that because, well, I guess the, the base reason is that my favorite wrestler, Randy Orton, his nickname is the Viper. So I kind of chose the nickname. However, a lot of people like Randy Orton and they like the nickname Viper. So when I tried to check and see who had the name on YouTube, obviously Viper with the I was already taken, done. Uh, Viper with the Y was taken. So I went out to two Y's. Two Y's was taken. So your boy had to go out to three Y's before it was open and nobody had that name with three Y's. So that is why I spelled Viper with three Y's because it was the only way I can get it and uh, have ownership of that particular way of Viper. <laughs> and as a, a very quick random uh, wrestling reference then, to protect your anonymity, anybody who's trying to find out who you are, you will give them an RKO. Is that right? And then maybe putting them in the oh, head absolutely. as well. If we're going back to Randy Orton of the 2010s, and he was a vicious, vicious man. And y'all got to realize, I can RKO you out of anywhere. Anytime, anywhere. <laughs> Well, that, that sufficiently derailed me. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Dan. Back on the track. Back on the track. Let's talk a little bit about one of the benefits of Clubhouse, because you might be thinking, well, why use Clubhouse? And I would say, especially in your case, at least from where I'm sitting, you've leveraged Clubhouse in a big way. You've already talked about how it got you on the vidIQ team. Clubhouse for you has been a major networking tool. So I was hoping you could explain and, and walk us through that. Absolutely. So can I just very quickly ask before that? Great question, Dan. 
how many networking contacts did you have before Clubhouse? I'm really interested in knowing that because I'm trying to work out if ah, Clubhouse yes. changed the game completely in this sense. Well, I had a nice little network before Clubhouse, but I think I was able to tap in and talk to them more because of Clubhouse and gain a bigger network because of Clubhouse. So I already had an existing network outside of Clubhouse before I got on the app. But being on the app and being able to talk to these people and talk to new people just blew up the network that much more. So, yeah. I know when people think about networking and things like that, LinkedIn might be the first platform that comes to mind, but no, 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 no. Clubhouse is a networking monster because Clubhouse gives you access to people that you would not normally have access to. One night, I was in a room on a stage with both Mr. Beast and Keemstar, people that I would never have had access to talk to on any other platform because obviously Keemstar had $5 million on YouTube, or I probably, he's probably six now. Mr. Beast is about to approach 100 million on YouTube and you just don't touch those people on that platform because they're so big and you can't, there's no way to communicate with them. But they were on Clubhouse earlier this year and I got a chance to talk to both of them. So just having the assets and the ability to talk to people that you normally don't get to talk to and just being able to network like crazy on Clubhouse, it's almost like, you know, when you are on YouTube and you're watching your favorite creator's videos and you leave a video comment. I mean, yeah, that's like, that's kind of a connection, but it's not real yet because it's just ones and zeros. It's like it's like a comment. It's like text. You're not having an actual like engagement with the person. It's just a it's just a text message that you left on their video, and they might respond with a text message of their own. When you go on Clubhouse, it is a one to one real time interaction because you are literally talking to that person, even though you can't see them. You are talking to them, so it makes the connection more real. I kind of equate it to meeting people in person, like me me and a few other of our VidIQ quote. We met in uh, person last week in LA. You could talk to somebody online, but the bond kind of strengthens and becomes real when you meet in person. And being on Clubhouse and talking to people in real time, even though you can't see them, you're talking to them. It kind of makes the bond more real because you're actually talking to them and having that one-to-one interaction. So Clubhouse is amazing for networking. But the other unintended benefit of Clubhouse is becoming a better speaker because you kind of, I mean, Clubhouse and talking, it's audio. So when you get on these stages, you have to talk and you have to have conversations and coherent thought and things like that. So if you're somebody that's thinking about doing YouTube, but you're afraid of talking on camera or you're just afraid of public speaking in general, Clubhouse is a great like tool to help get over it. It's not rehearsed. You don't have time to pre-plan it or anything. You just get up there and you talk. Is you either know the stuff or you don't know the stuff. And in that respect, Clubhouse helped a great deal with just building the confidence to be a better speaker. So we don't really talk about that enough when it comes to Clubhouse, but that is definitely a benefit of being on the platform, being a better YouTube content creator, or just being a better creator in general. If you can talk and articulate better. Because of the time that you spent on Clubhouse, that's a win in my book. That's a really good tip, actually. I was just thinking about how a YouTuber might like approach this app. And I guess the question I have to ask is, what types of rooms are in Clubhouse? Because we've talked a little bit. You do a coffee talk room. We know there's YouTube advice rooms. What are some of the types of communities that one would find? Because I imagine the creators listening right now, they're not going to relate to this as, as we do. You know, we, we know where we would go on Clubhouse. Where are some of the places creators out there listening could go? All right, so let's, let's do a little experiment here. So I have my iPhone in my hand. So let's open up Clubhouse right now on my phone and see what we got in my hallway here. Oh, let me uh, close that. But there are all types of rooms on Clubhouse. So right now, when I open up my phone, we have a noon o'clock uh, refill. It's more like a mini coffee talk that's going on. We got people talking about traveling. We got people tra- talking about how to build a business and make six, seven, eight, nine figures. We got women in business. We have evergreen living people talking about living green. I mean, there are, I mean, if you could think about it, there's a community for it on Clubhouse. 
there are a diverse range of interests on the platform. Whatever you want to talk about, you can get on there and talk about. Hell, I have a group devoted to people that are fans of Sherlock Holmes, and I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. So if you are into contemporary literature or mainstream like characters like Marvel Avengers or DC or Sherlock Holmes or whatever it is, you can find an interesting group on Clubhouse talking about that, especially now with the way Clubhouse has updated their site to be able to search for these things now because you couldn't really do that previously, but now you can. So you can actually search for different interests on Clubhouse. And again, whatever your interest is, there's probably a chat being had about it on Clubhouse because the, the range of topics now are that diverse. So it can help you if as, as long as you're going on stage and speaking can help you kind of break out of your shell a little bit yes and what you're saying is really cool because one of the things that i think a lot of creators could benefit from i don't know if enough creators even go out there and do this is to really ingratiate themselves into the communities of the things that they cover on youtube so in your case that would be tech do you agree yes. with that though have you gotten into some tech communities and then in turn have those helped you develop more videos of your own so it's interesting because Again, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, I already had like a little network of my tech creators before I got on the platform. What Clubhouse did was kind of drew them to me and made it easier to connect. I'm talking about big time creators like Marquette Brownlee, Superstaff, Ajustine, Austin Evans, like just mega creators that normally you wouldn't be able to have access to because they're so big on YouTube. But back in the day, in my early days at Clubhouse, I hosted a weekly room called the Tech Super Lounge, where I got together all of the tech creators, and we would talk about the current events happening in the technology or different YouTube ideas or whatever the case may be. And one night in my Tech Super Lounge, I had Ajustine in there. I had the head of Microsoft uh, Xbox, Aaron Greenberg in there. Uh, Larry Herb from Microsoft was in there. I've had Marquette Brownlee, Superstaff, uh, Board of Work. Like, some of the largest tech creators on YouTube we're all in the same room in the tech super lounge. Mm. It was kind of a cool to have the tech community come together in that clubhouse room on those nights where I was uh, host the lounge. Number one, it's hard to get them together, period, because we're always busy and things like that. But to have that ability because of the tech super lounge to get them together in the same place at the same time and have the access to talk to them is definitely kind of a community bonded thing. The only time that tech creators usually uh, get together are in that tech event. But through the power of clubhouse and my tech super lounge, we were able to bring them together and it just provided an amazing experience. Let me pose this question to you then, Viper. Uh, so your channel has just under 6,000 subscribers. And mm -hmm. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I, I think it would be fair to say that you came onto a lot of people's radars in 2021 and thanks to Clubhouse. And you've just gone through a, a raft of well-known people and connected people in the business world. So my question to you is, why do you think people have been so willing to give you their valuable time? What is it that Viper does to get these people to be on stage with you and have access to these people to share with communities? You know what, Rob? I am glad that you asked that because this is a question that I get a lot. I get it a lot from different creators, from people. Viper, how do you get these people to give you their time? And it's kind of simple to me. I don't ask for anything, really. The only thing I ask for is for these people to have a conversation with me. And that's the end of it. I don't ask for a shout out. I don't ask to be on their channel. I don't ask for anything. And I'm genuine. And the other part of that is that they know I'm about that business because if they if they look up Viper and they go to YouTube and type in Viper, they will see that on my main channel, I have been uploading for over three years, 600 plus videos, and I am about that life. 
And I know for me personally, if I'm going to work or collaborate with somebody, I have got to know that they are taking the content creator thing as seriously as I am. And anybody that I talk to and ask to have a conversation or come on my live stream or in my clubhouse room, they know that I am grinding out here, putting in the work and I have put in the work and I have a body of work to show for it. So I think it's because of that as well, that they are willing to give me their time because they know I am a serious content creator. I am actually trying to cultivate genuine relationship with these people. And, and again, especially for newer creators, I think that's something that just goes over their head or they're, they're so focused on trying to grow fast and trying to use people to build their base. No, 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 no. Viper's not doing that. I can do that on my own, okay? I'm just trying to have conversations with people. And I think that some of these people that you have seen come into my rooms and my, my live streams, they know that I'm just trying to build a community and I'm trying to talk to them. I'm not trying to get anything out of them. So I think them understanding that I'm being genuine with my request just to talk to them goes a long way. Like doing right by people will always take you further than trying to use people to get to where you want to be. You probably already answered this in that answer, but if you were to give advice to a smaller creator or somebody who doesn't have that much influence or clout, but they want to get connected with well-known creators, business people within their topic, what's the one piece of advice you would give them? Do the work. <laughs> I can't say it enough. People, especially new creators, they think that YouTube is, is this big world that nobody will see you. No, 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 no. YouTube is a lot smaller than you might initially think. I promise you as a new creator, if you keep putting out content consistently and getting better over and over and over again, you will be noticed. Bigger names will notice you. I had about a, what, a probably 100 subscribers when I got notified from Page Tech John Prosser three and a half years ago. I was a nobody. And somehow the man ended up watching one of my live streams back when I had 100 subscribers. So. When I say that people will notice you if you just put out the content, it's like that saying from what? Fill the dreams. If you build it, they will come. Literally, if you build it on YouTube, people will notice you. They will come. So just being willing to put in the work and not trying to take shortcuts and just being a better creator each and every video will take you a long way. And I promise you that somebody will notice you because the other thing, and this is something that Roberto Blake told me a long time ago, is that when you're a new creator starting out, you sometimes you get down because you're not getting like 500 views, 1,000 views, 10,000 views, all that. No, 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 no. It only takes one view to change your entire life on YouTube. One view can change your life. John Proctor did it for me. I'm pretty sure other smaller creators have had other bigger creators do it for them. But it really takes one view for somebody to put you on and change your life and then completely change your creator path trajectory. One view. That's it. I can attest to that myself. It wasn't necessarily one view. It was one tweet, but it was a tweet about mm. a video I made about the vidIQ tool. The big boss man here, Mr. Sandy, saw that tweet, saw the video, and the rest at this point is history. Uh, this is why I'm here. This is why many of us are, are doing this podcast right now. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, you can't understate just how much that means to like people just get really wrapped up in like the numbers. And sometimes I think they lose sight. I, I'm guilty of this too. They lose sight of like the people behind those numbers. And a lot of what we've talked about today is, is networking and how you can build these relationships that lead to other things, doors opening. Uh, which is exactly what you're referring to is what's what's happened to you. So it's, I think it's awesome. A uh, really good message to share. So a lot of the things we talked about today as well, bring us to this, this other issue where I think a lot of people listening and I'm, I relate to this myself have trouble putting themselves out there, you know, and it's one thing to sit and, and get comfortable on camera, uh, which takes, that's a whole thing in itself. I found nerves uh, approaching when I was getting into my first clubhouse room Part of it was like, uh, maybe I should just listen. You know, I don't really know if I even want to go on stage because there's all these people there. You can see their faces, the little profile bubbles just staring at you, you know, 
first of all, did you struggle with this yourself? But if not, secondly, like what, what advice do you have for somebody to break out of that shell to, to help? Maybe they're struggling to put themselves out there. What would you tell them? Who? To answer your other question, as it relates to Clubhouse, I didn't struggle with it because I had so much experience as a content creator making video before I got into Clubhouse that I was already accustomed to like talking to people and talking to the camera and just talking in general, which obviously is a big factor of Clubhouse. So I was not afraid to put myself out there on Clubhouse because I, I mean, I'm a creator. I make videos. I talk to people. But how do you get over the hump, the trepidation of just putting yourself out there? That's a hard one, man, because I think Every individual has to look inside of themselves and ask themselves, what is it that I want to accomplish? What is it that I want to get out of being a creator? You know, you got to realize that if you want this thing bad enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable because nothing grows inside of your comfort zone. And this is something that I've been saying a lot on Clubhouse. But literally, if you want to get to places you've never been, if you want to climb heights you never climbed, if you want to have experiences you've never had before, none of that happens in your comfort zone. So if you want to live your best life, you got to be willing and prepared to get uncomfortable because that is what it takes. That is the requirement to grow as a human being. Not even, we're not even talking about content creation anymore. Just grow as a human being, being a better person, being a smarter person, being a more aware person. You have to be willing and understand that you have to go outside of your comfort zone. You have to be willing to adapt to the changes in order to stay relevant on, on YouTube as a content creator. But you have to be willing to experiment and do things again that you have not done before. It's hard. It's not easy, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Um, repetition is a big thing. Just take baby steps, but take those baby steps over and over and over and over again. Eventually, you will get to a point where you don't even think about it anymore because you've done it so much via repetition. That's where the confidence will build. And Dan, once you build up that confidence, my dude, the guy is the limit. I remember, uh, Viper, when I was first checking out your channel, uh, that you were having a conversation with Roberto Blake. Oh, this must be at least six months ago, if not more. And you were having a discussion about whether or not YouTube's recommendation system was inadvertently shadow banning your channel due to the way you presented your content. Do you remember yeah. this at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just wondering if you could elaborate on that because I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Yeah. So luckily, Roberto Blake is a good friend of mine and I have been on his live stream and we were doing channel audits and different things like that a few months ago. And I think one day we happened to stumble upon my channel and he had told me about something called restricted mode. Now, YouTube has a thing called restricted mode where it restricts like content that has like cursing or just like graphic content or age restricted material. There's a bunch of different reasons why your video might be restricted, but if it hits restricted mode, then I feel like the algorithm kind of suppresses the content. And when we made the discovery one day that most of my videos were being restricted, it kind of brought a lot of things into perspective for me because I've watched people like just start at the same time as me or start later than me that just blew by me and stuff. Kind of. I'm like, damn, what, what? I mean, I put out all the content and they're like growing like wildfire, not even doing half the work I'm doing. I'm like, what is going on? So when I made the discovery, when we made the discovery that my content was being restricted, I was like, wow, what is going on? So then the next question is, why is my content being restricted? Because I intentionally make Disney level content, okay? I don't curse. I don't have any graphic content, nothing like that. It's tech videos, okay? It's literal basic tech videos. So why are literal basic Disney friendly tech videos being restricted? So I think about a couple of months ago, or maybe three or four months ago, I ran an experiment. I made a separate channel. Uh, this is after YouTube introduced shorts. So I'm like, you know what? Let me make a separate channel. Uh, run some shorts on there and change the tonality, the delivery of my voice to see if maybe this is something that might be causing my content to be restricted because that was the only thing I could think of because it's not the normal delivery that you see on YouTube. So when I made the second channel 
and I did the testing and I tested different deliveries of my of my style, one thing jumped out apparently evident. When I talk like this and present my content like this, there were zero issues, no restrictions, no nothing. But when I kick it in the Viper mode a little like this, YouTube didn't have a problem with Viper. So I'm like, what is really going on? Now, oddly enough, I've talked to YouTube, uh, YouTube employees about this, and they say that it's not a thing, but you cannot tell me it's not a thing. I've been dealing with it for over two years. It is definitely a thing. But lately, it seems like a lot of my content has been okay. So I don't know what the hell is going on with that. But uh, the last four or five videos, I think only one of them has been restricted. And I don't even know why that was restricted. But I don't know. Maybe YouTube like toned it down or something. I, I don't know. But it was definitely a thing. And I definitely feel like it held my channel down. I don't care what anybody at YouTube says because the numbers just didn't make sense. But yeah, Rob, to answer your question, it, it, if your content ends up in that restricted mode, it can definitely have an adverse effect on your channel growth. And uh, so to put this into context for everybody, you can turn on restricted mode if you want in the app or on the desktop just to see what happens. It, uh, as Viper says, it will start to hide borderline contents. But Viper here is stating here that his content is not borderline, and I think we agree with that. But in order, Dan, to get this podcast restricted now, what I would like you to do, Viper, is do a 30-second promo for this podcast in the full Viper wrestling persona style, and your time starts now. So, you're here because you want to grow on YouTube, you want your channel to blow up, you want the tool that you need to be the best YouTube content creator you could possibly be, well, guess what? Listen to the VidIQ Tube Talk podcast with your boy Viper, Dan, and Rob, and we will help you grow your YouTube channel to exponential proportions, because that's what we hear, and we are live. I thought it was, it was pre-recorded, then. Oh, uh, they are, but I, I like it. <laughs> I think we'll start doing them live now after that. <laughs> I've got one more question, uh, Viper. What headphones are you using? These are actually... Hey, it doesn't matter what headphones you're using. Nice. Well done, Rob. Well done. Circa Rock 2000 there. <laughs> With that out of the way, uh, <laughs> glad we're all feeling better. Don just has no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> Any final thoughts, uh, Viper, before we go? Yeah, I would say that, you know, as new creator being out there, there are no shortcuts in the content creation game. Yeah, you'll see some people go viral and they might have a viral video and different things like that, but they are outliers. They are exceptions. They are not the norm. Embrace the journey. Don't try to take shortcuts. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to happen overnight. But I promise you, if you embrace the grind, put in the work, be better than your last video, and you do that over and over and over again, you will greatly enjoy the journey and you will just have experiences that you never could thought imaginable before you set out on your content creation journey. So just enjoy the ride, embrace the journey, and don't try to cheat it. You can't cheat it. There's no cheating in the system. Just be prepared and do what you love. That's the other thing. You got to do what you love and have fun doing what you do. Because if you don't truly enjoy what you create, you won't last. So that's my final thought there. Well, Viper, thank you so much. Uh, for anyone out there, if you want to check out Viper's channel, just go into the YouTube search bar, type in Viper, use three Ys instead of an I, and your channel will come right up. And then also keep listening to Tube Talk and check out the VidIQ channel. Viper's part of the team. You will be hearing from him quite a bit. So, Viper, thank you so much. We'll do this again soon. And uh, we'll see everybody next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.